So glad y'all are here with us as we're continuing through this series. We're calling Churches That Heal. And it's uh, been a great series for us. In a lot of ways, it's, it's what we call a culture series, right? Because a lot of it is about the culture we want to create and saying, who is it that we want to be as a church, right? Who are the people that we want to be? What is it we want to be known for? What is the role we want to play in our community? And so we're taking these few weeks to say, hey, this is who we want to be. This is the kind of place we want to be and share some of that language, some of those invitations of what that looks like for us as a church. And so you've heard over these last few weeks for us to say, hey, we want to be a place where we start off by saying it's okay to not be okay, right? Because if you got a pulse, you got a what? problem, right? You got a pulse, you got a problem. And we know we all got problems. We all have our issues. We all have our struggles. We all have our hangups. And what does it look like for us to get a different paradigm of church where we say, you know what? The church is actually the starting line of where I begin to deal with my issues and not the finish line where I go once I got everything all cleaned up and look perfect. And we say, we want to be a community of people that say it's okay to not be okay. And we want to be a place that connects us to people that are going to bring life to us, right? Because we talked about this last week. What and who we're connected to greatly determines what it is we're going to do, right? And so we know that and we see that. So we say we want to surround ourselves with the right people in the right places at the right time, but also in the right ways. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about this idea of boundaries and how we connect to the right people in the right ways at the right times. And for us, as we journey with others through their issues, through their challenges, through their problems, right? We want to say, we want to do that in a way that loves you to life, not loves you to death. Because so often, if we don't get boundaries right, we can oftentimes become enablers. We can oftentimes become people who lead to codependency, right? We can become people who say, hey, I'm going to fix your problems. You don't have to fix them. And we start to take those roles. And what we're actually doing is loving people not to life, right? We're loving them literally to death. And so we say, how do we set good parameters and good boundaries? So when we talk about a boundary, right? I think we all got the idea here. But if you ever had a piece of property or some land, you know, you can go to the county and they will give you a map that will show you the boundary lines, right? And when we look at those boundary lines, it's so important for us to know that everything inside those boundary lines are places that we have responsibility for, right? Everything within, in my, in my frame, right? I have responsibility for that. But when you go to the other side of the boundary line, right? And, and the Bible talks about that. We call that trespassing, right? When we move across boundary lines into other, somebody else's boundary lines and we trespass, right? We get into this place where we no longer have responsibility in that place, but what we do have, and this is so important, is we have influence in those places, right? And when we have influence in those places, we can use them because of the responsibility that we have within the boundaries to influence what happens outside the boundaries. But when we trespass and we start to take responsibility for things that are outside of our boundaries, right? That leads to all kinds of challenging situations and circumstances. And so we have to say, okay, so how do we live in a way inside this kingdom of God that allows us to say, hey, this is who I'm called to be. This is who I'm going to be. And I want to help you be who God has called you to be in a way that loves you to life, not loves you to death. And now the best example that I can think of this has to do with my little seven-year-old. And this is a, this is a total hypothetical story, okay? We have a seven-year-old who doesn't clean up after himself, all right? And totally hypothetical. And, and this seven-year-old, right, 
he, he needs a little fire lit under him a little more than other people need when it comes to cleaning up after himself, right? And so we have this little game we play at our house where whenever people are coming over, we try to like clean up real fast and make it look like we don't live with messes, okay? And so every time somebody's coming over, we start playing that game where we're going to clean everything up and this is what it'll go like. We'll say, hey, buddy, we have some people coming over in about an hour. Can you clean your room up? And he'll be sitting on the couch, you know, eating goldfish, drinking a Gatorade, watching Dude Perfect. And, and we're like, hey, can you do that? And he's like, yeah, got it. Doesn't have it at all, right? And like, we know that. And we look down, we're like, he's not got it, right? So we all go back into our properties, like into our places, and we start cleaning our rooms, and we start cleaning the places we're responsible for while we're watching him not clean the thing that he's responsible for that he said he was going to take care of cleaning up for. And so we'll intervene again. We'll say, hey, bud, you know, if you could do that, that really would be great. And, and you know, we, we'd love it. And then he, you know, just keeps watching the show, keeps eating the goldfish, keeps drinking the Gatorade. Life's good for him. He has no reason to really get up at this point, right? And so what starts to happen is his problem, and this is, and this is what's so important, right, is these people are going to start coming over to our house in a few minutes. And so because we have this game we play where we pretend we don't live with messes and they're probably bringing kids who are going to mess the room we're about to go clean up in in 10 minutes, right? We go into that room and the whole family has to scramble last minute in Owen's room to help him clean up his room and get it together. And so what happens is, is Owen's problem actually becomes our problem, doesn't it? And because the way that we navigate that whole situation is we are not loving him to life as a responsible child who the lady he marries is going to thank us for one day, right? We're raising him into a total slob who just thinks everybody else is going to take care of my junk. And I'm just going to stay here and watch Netflix, right? And he's good. And so he lives in that. And so what we're doing is we're like, oh, he's seven, oh, this, you know, we just start to rationalize all these different things. And what we're doing is we are loving him to death. We are not loving him to life, right? And so we talk about boundaries and we say, how, how do we create some structure around this so that we love our little guy to life, right? And so this is what that might look like is we all get ready to clean up and we get ready to do the song and dance, right? And so I walk out into the kitchen. And I say, hey, buddy, you got baseball tomorrow, don't you? Game tomorrow night, six o'clock? Yeah, you love baseball, don't you? Like, yeah, I love baseball, great. Well, hey, if that room's not clean in 40 minutes, you ain't playing baseball tomorrow night, okay? And what happens is I ain't got a problem no more, right? He's got a problem. And he's going to figure out how to fix that problem, right? And when he figures out how to fix that problem, what is happening is we are stewarding him to life, right? We are not trespassing and moving into his area of responsibility and taking that for him, but we are leveraging the influence we have over him to help him step into his best, Okay, and now we see that in like a dumb little clean in the room illustration. He's actually a spotless kid, never leaves a mess. It's totally hypothetical right there. But as we look at that, right, like with him in that situation, it's funny when it's like a seven-year-old cleaning his room, but it's not funny when it comes to addiction, right? It's not funny when it comes to substance abuse. It's not funny when it comes to all of these other things that we really struggle with and we get into relationships where we start to say, hey, you know, oh, it's just one time. We're going to help them this time. We're going to help them. And we start becoming enablers who actually lead them not to the life that God has for them, but we lead them to death, right? The wages of sin is death. And we say, how do we bring life into those situations and circumstances? And when we talk about boundaries and when we set those and we hold firm to them, one of two things is going to happen, okay? And we can go back to my, my cleaning the house story. One of two things is gonna happen. Either he is gonna not do that and we are going to cave and our whole family is going to adapt to his uncleanliness and we're gonna create a scenario where it's all about how do we clean up his messes at the last minute, stressed out, making everybody angry, 
or he is going to have to figure out how to adapt to our healthy cleaning schedules, right? It's one of the two. One of those two is going to happen. And so we say, how do we stick to our discipline? How do we stick to these boundaries that we say, hey, this is the way this is going to be because we are going to love you to life, not death. And that may mean that people are going to come over to our house and his room is going to be trashed and he is going to have to miss a baseball game. But when that happens, he starts to see, hey, I can't live like this if I want to really enjoy my life. And so for us, right, we get to say, so how do we love people to life? And when we look at this, we say, we are people of the kingdom of God, right? And we say, this is what life looks like in the kingdom of God. And these are the values and these are the things that take place in this way of Jesus. If we're going to live out the reality of the gospel, this is what that's going to look like. And so how do we, in a healthy way, say, hey, we want to love you to life. And so these are the things that we are going to do to help you get into that place, right? And so when we look at boundaries, right, they're, they're all over scripture. We can go back to the beginning of the garden and we see there where, you know, it says, don't eat from the tree, right? There's this boundary. We can go into Exodus and see God sends Moses down off the Ten Commandments, right? And he shows up to the people of God and he says, hey, check this out. These are these boundaries that we're going to live within as God's people in the Ten Commandments. He says, this is what it's going to look like. And then we get into the Gospel of Matthew and we see the Sermon on the Mount, right? And Jesus comes out and he declares this new way of life in this kingdom of God. And he says all of these revolutionary transformation things about what it means to live this life following Jesus. And he says, when we do that, there's things that we as the people of God are going to do. And there's things that we as the people of God are not going to do. And he lays out these boundaries and what it looks like for us to live into those. And so as we look at this, right, we know that in our lives, boundaries matter big time. We probably all know business leaders who have crossed boundaries financially, right, in some way, and it's cost them their job. Many of you have seen marriages that are destroyed by crossing sexual and relational boundaries. For some of you, you've seen ministries that are brought down because of the crossing of a moral boundary by a leader. Some of you have seen relationships that have been broken because of communication and gossip boundaries that were crossed. And when all of that happens, right, and when those boundaries are crossed, we get to make this decision. Are we going to use this as a moment to leverage our influence to love to life or leverage our influence to love to death? And we get to pick of which one of the two ways we are going to adapt to. And so for us, as we talk about boundaries, really at the core of this, and what I hope we take away from this, is that at the core of it, like it's not about other control, right? When we talk about we all got a problem, we got a pulse, right? And we want to help and we want to be a place that comes and we want to walk alongside of you, right? There's a sense that we want to do that in a healthy way, but that is not me controlling you, right? That is not me solving your problems, that is me coming alongside of you and empowering you through influence to say, hey, I believe God has more for you. And if you begin to order your life in this way and reprioritize different things and get them in the right place at the right time, I believe God is going to bless that. And so what we do is we don't become like controlling of others, but what we actually do is we live within that property line, right? And we say we become self-control freaks, right? And we say, I am all about controlling what I can control, and I'm going to leverage everything I can control to influence what happens outside of those boundaries. But we're going to keep them in a healthy way. And we're going to love you to life, not to death. And so as we look at that, right, we can look at this passage in the book of Daniel. And it's in Daniel chapter one. And we see this unique little situation. All right. So you have Daniel 
who is living his life and everything is going great. He is a sharp guy. Everything is wonderful. Living in the city of Jerusalem, he is a part of the people of God. He is so faithful to God's call on his life and he is just all in to God's way. And then there's this, this king, this King Nebuchadnezzar. And he comes in and he raids this area where Daniel lives. And he just completely takes over, right? Just, just breaks the boundaries, moves them out, says, we got new boundaries now. These are mine, right? And as he sets these new boundaries within King Nebuchadnezzar's boundaries now, he starts to lay out what life is going to be like in King Nebuchadnezzar's world. And he's a pretty arrogant, pretty selfish guy, pretty ruthless guy who says, basically, this is all going to be about me, right? And so he says, I want you to go. And he says to some of his leaders, and he says, I want you to go and find some of the sharpest people you can find. Some of the best and the brightest people in this area that we have just broken boundaries over and taken control of. And he says, and I want you to bring them to me and we're going to raise them up and we're going to convert them to who we want them to be. And so they bring him in and he starts to take control of these other people, right? And he starts to take Daniel and some of his friends and all these different people. And it says that they begin to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. They wanted them to understand their music. They wanted to understand their words. They wanted to read their history. He's like, this is like this deep, deep, deep indoctrination in the way of King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And so Daniel starts to go along with this. He has no choice really in this. And so he's like, if you want to live, this is what it's going to be. And they even start to attack his identity in different ways. And they change his name from Daniel to Belteshazzar, right? And Daniel means God is my judge, right? And he's like, God's my judge. This is my life. This is what I'm about. And they change it to Belteshazzar, which means lady protect the king, right? And they just shape every bit of his identity gets distorted in this. And they shape every bit of who he is. And they take this control and then eventually they get to this place where they're going to start to change what Daniel eats. And now for some reason, Daniel, this, this becomes a big kind of boundary line for him. He's like, I'll read your books. I'll do your music. I'll answer to Belteshazzar. I'll do all those things. But to him, his diet and the way he understood that and his connection and relationship to God was of utmost importance. And it was this boundary that he was not willing to cross. And so it gets to it and it says, Daniel, they, they tell him what they're going to eat and all these things. And in verse eight, you'll see it up here, Daniel chapter one, verse eight, it says, but Daniel, and this word resolved, you can circle it right there. It says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official per permission to defile, to not defile himself in this way. Okay, so like Daniel's like, hey, here's the deal. Like, th this is the line. Like, I'll, I'll go along. I'll do this. I understand the situation. I understand the circumstances. They're not ideal. They're not what I want. This is not how I'd want it to go. But, the, but you're crossing a boundary into saying, hey, this is just not who I'm ever going to be. And he says, so, so do with that what you will. And we get to those moments, right? And those, those are hard, hard boundary moments because it is literal life and death for Daniel right here. And there's this sense for a lot of us where it may not be life and death, but it may feel like paycheck next week or not, right? It may feel like healthy, you know, fun time at Christmas with our family or not. You know, it may feel like something really weighty in our world, but there comes this point where we have to say, hey, this is who I am. This is who God has called me to be. The standard I live by, Liz, this kingdom of God way of life, this gospel-centered way of life. And so if you keep asking me to do that, I'm just not going to go there with you. And here's the thing. I just, I just think when we do that, 
and we draw those healthy lines and we get to that healthy space and we say, we're going to choose the way of God over these short-term preferences, loving to death, you know, accommodating in all kinds of unhealthy situations. I just think in those moments, God begins to show up. And it becomes this crystal clear place where we say, God, we are inviting you into this story because it's not working our way. And so when we get to that moment, right, it happens here with Daniel and it says, now God had caused this official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. It says, but the official told Daniel, he's like, listen, hey, I'm afraid of the king. He assigned me to your food and drink. And if he finds out what's happening, he says, he's going to have my head because of you. He's like, this ain't good. And so then Daniel just sets up this little boundary with him. And he says, listen, here's how you can love me to life right here. He says, just give me 10 days. He said, just let me try it. Let me live this out. Let me model it before you. And if things go bad, that's fine. But if things goes good, you're going to have to say I'm right, right? He didn't really say that, but that's, that's the gist of it. And so then he gets to this, right? And he says, okay, so we're going to do it. And then in verse 15, it says, at the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. And what we see in this moment, and then it wraps up at the end of the story, it says he comes before the king and the king declares him 10 times better than anybody else. And what we start to see is that when we submit ourselves to the way of God, when we begin to put these boundaries around ourselves and say, hey, this is who we're created to be. This is how we're called to live. And we stick to that even when culture, even when other people want to take that from us and call us and say, no, it's going to be easier. No, I got a faster way. No, you're going to do it this way. It starts to shape us and mold us. And we move from that place of life in Christ to this place where we begin to compromise that leads to death. And so for us this morning, I want us to just take a minute and say, hey, okay, what are our boundaries right off the bat? And what are the predetermined yeses and nos that we have in our lives? And when we look at Daniel, right, he had this predetermined no. He's like, I'm just not going to do that. He had this predetermined yes that he was going to live into the way of his God. And he had this predetermined no to giving up and compromising when it came to this issue of his food. And so when we see that, when he stuck to that, God begins to work in that place and Daniel begins to experience life in all these new ways and God uses him to transform this whole story as you continue to read through the book of Daniel. And so for us as followers of Jesus, right, we just have some predetermined yeses. Like we love, right? Like that's what we do. And we say in every situation, every circumstances, as long as it depends on me, we wanna live at peace with everyone. And so that means we choose love in every path. But choosing love does not mean saying yes to everything, right? My kids want to eat Oreos for dinner every night, right? It's not loving to feed them to them, right? And so I can love them and I can come along with them. I blame them. It's really me. I'd probably eat more Oreos than them, right? But but like when we look at that, right, that's not loving to allow that. And so we say, how do we love to life, not to death, but in every situation, our motive should be driven with love. We say, as, as people in the kingdom of God, like we just want to be generous. We're always going to take that posture. We're always going to make the predetermined decision to say, hey, I am here to serve, not be served. We're going to make the predetermined decisions in our calendars to say, hey, Sabbath and rest matter. And we are not built to just go, 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 right? The expression, we're not human doings. Sometimes we need to be human beings and we need to be still and know that God is God. And so we build that in. We just say, hey, these are non-negotiables. We rest. Our worth isn't found in our productivity, right? And so we find the time to be still and know that God is God. And then for some of us, right, we say, we worship, we show up and we give thanks and we build community and we come in together and we give thanks to God for the things that he's done in our lives. 
And so as I've talked to um, some different people, right, we have, these, we have these big high level, like this is just life in the kingdom of God, right? This is the way we live. But then as I've talked to some people over the last couple of weeks, I've just been paying attention to these kind of little boundaries that I've seen different people set up. And, I, and I've heard two really, really great ones over the last couple of weeks that I think are some good sometimes boundaries, right? They're things that maybe, you know, not every one of us needs to do today, but in certain seasons and certain times when we're walking with Jesus, we get called to do different things for different reasons in different seasons. And I talked to a family a couple of weeks ago. They said, okay, hey, they said, since we've moved here, like our business has just taken off and we have more money than we've ever had in our lives. And we've been really trying to figure out like, how do we manage this well? And so what they felt like God led them to do is they, they picked a number and they said, there is just no reason that we need more money than this each month. And they said, so we're just gonna set a boundary right here. And we're gonna say, this is the money that we're gonna live off of. And everything above that, we're gonna figure out how to be as generous with that as we can to make the most impact we can. And they said, that's just a boundary. We're gonna set on ourselves. We're gonna say, this is the number, this is where it's at. And past that, like we are called to love, we are called to be generous, and we are going to live in that place. And I thought, that's a beautiful boundary, isn't it? Like that is loving to life. That is not loving to death. Okay. Another boundary that I heard somebody say, they said, listen, they said during this pandemic and we were home and all the craziness before the vaccines and everything was trying to figure out and we missed meeting together so much on Sunday morning that we've just had to reprioritize that. They said, we used to just take that for granted and say, hey, oh yeah, we got church on Sunday. We'll be there probably, you know? And they said, when we missed that, we started to realize that there was a big piece of our life that was missing. And when we didn't keep that boundary in our life, we just found ourselves just floating all over the place. And so they said, hey, for us, this is gonna be a big boundary for us to say, we're gonna protect Sundays and that matters to us. And they said, so when we begin to sign our kids up for things, like that is front and center of those decisions, that this is the boundary. And if we're gonna sign up for something that's gonna keep us gone eight weeks in a row from the thing that we say is most important in our lives, we're gonna set that boundary and we're gonna say, God, just intervene. Help us to figure out, you know, how do we make this work? And say, you know, our kids are gonna be disappointed. We're gonna be a little frustrated. Maybe they won't get to do this. Maybe they won't get to do that. But God, we just wanna invite you into that and open the door for you to bless us and love us to life in that situation, not to death and settle. And so then there's sometimes there, there's boundaries that I think you, because of your background, your situation, your circumstance, that you just have to say, hey, me and God, like this is, this is the boundary for me. And it may not be a seasonal thing, but this is just like me for where I am. And I'll tell you one boundary for me that, that God put on my heart when I was in high school was around the issue of alcohol. And I just seen people, you know, lead to destruction after destruction in different situations and circumstances that I saw. And I can remember just having this time where I was still before God and I felt God just put on my heart to say, hey, that's just not for you. Like your addictive personality, the things that you've seen, the, the roles and the leadership places that I want to take you, like that's just going to be a line and a boundary that we say for you, you're just not going to cross that. And so as I sit with that, like I know how addictive I can be. I know how that can go for me in life and other areas. And so that's a boundary that I have to put. When I look up and look around and see, you know, talk to people in their stories, I've never heard somebody come into my office and say, you know, it's so crazy. Like things were really bad and like marriage was tough and job was hard. And I just started drinking more and like it all just got better. Like it was so crazy. You know, we just thought, I just, I just started stopping at the bar on the way home and I just, it was good. Like everything got better when I did that. Like I've never heard that story, right? <laughs> Ever. And so I know like when stress comes, like there's a temptation for me to deal with that in different ways. And I just have to say, like, that is just a hard, hard no for me, 
right? Because in light of who I am, my backgrounds, my experiences, all those things, I have to figure out and say, God, what is it that you want that's best for me? And how does God call me and love me to life is by putting that boundary that leads me to good, not a boundary that leads me to what I want, when I want in that short-term self-gratification. And so for some of us, right, we just need to take some inventory and say, hey, if you're in a dating relationship, what are the boundaries there? As parents, what, what are the boundaries in that relationship? As grandparents, you're trying to help your kids raise their kids, right? What are the boundaries in that relationship? When it comes to finances in your marriage and your family budget, like what, what are the boundaries there? That we say, hey, we want to be the people of God. We want to live our lives in this kingdom of God. And when we talk about we're either going to adapt to the way of Jesus or we have got to figure that out one way or another. And so what are the things and what are the ways that we say, hey, we see this call of Jesus. We see this call of self-sacrifice. We see this call that says we are here to serve and not be served. And we want to put some boundaries up so that we can live life to the full that Jesus calls us to. And so as we wrestle with all this this morning, I just want to give you three quick things to think about this morning. Number one, are there places in your lives where you've taken ownership in others' lives where you should be leveraging influence? Are there places where you're actually loving to death instead of loving to life? And what is the courageous boundary that you need to draw through a lot of prayer, through a lot of wisdom brought about and say, hey, we have got to stop enabling this kind of behavior in that person. And we're going to do that because we love them and we care for them. And we're going to walk alongside of them and say, we want to love you to life and towards God's best for you, not towards death. And maybe we need to make some adjustments there, right? The second thing I'd say is, where are some places that maybe you need to set some boundaries in your life? And you know, maybe you've, you've walked a couple places, went into some relationships, had some conversations, and when you've left them, you're like, that just didn't feel good. Felt like I was up against a line. And maybe we just need to do like a massive overcorrection, right? And say, we're going to draw some hard boundaries because there is way too much at stake for me to throw it all away over something that dumb and minor, right? And so we put those up and we invite people in and we ask for accountability. And then the last thing I'd say is this, is that we'd be able to see the beauty of the gospel within all these boundaries. That we'd be able to see that Jesus loved us not to our death, but to his death so that we could have life, right? And when we see that, and when we begin to see the gift that we've been given, when we've been able to see that despite all of our brokenness, all of our failures, all of our crossed boundaries, there is no boundary we can cross that makes God love us less. And can we get our heads around the fact that God loves us exactly where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. And when Paul's writing in Romans chapter eight, and he talks about this, and he said, if God's for us, like who can be against us, right? And then he goes on in verse 37, or verse 38, and he says, for I am convinced, he says that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, heights, depths, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. And so if you find yourself here this morning and you're like, you know, I've messed up way too big. I have crossed way too many boundaries. There is way too much junk. I just want to tell you some good news this morning. You are wrong. And Jesus says, no, no, come to me. All you who are weary, all of you who are tired, all of you who have made the mistakes. He says, and I'll give you life. So the question is, right? Like what system are we adapting to? Is it our own ways, our own selfish desires, our own whims in the moment? Or is it this higher calling to the way of Jesus? who wants nothing more than to love us to life. 
And so as we see that this morning, may we just leave here in that joy, in that hope, and in that good news, right? That if God is for us, who can be against us? And we have that. And so how do we order our lives? How do we walk alongside others in the best way possible to love them to life, not just death? So let's pray together. God, we give thanks to you this morning. We give thanks that you um, love us just as we are, but we also give thanks, God, that you love us too much to leave us there. And that you are always calling us, always transforming, always renewing us and calling us into more and more and more. And so God, this morning, may you just help us to take inventory of what's going on inside of our boundaries. May we be, you know, self-control freaks who are so worried about ordering our lives to honor you and to do the things that you have wired us to do. And as we begin to find joy in that, as we begin to find life in that, as we begin to find hope in that, may you use us to influence those around us. May you help us to point them to you and to your goodness, to your glory, to your mercy, to your forgiveness, and to the hope that we can get only through you, Jesus. So be with us. Convict us where we need convicted. Grow us where we need growing. And God, help us to set those boundaries to honor you in every facet of our life. And we pray this in your name. Amen. You have been listening to sermon audio from Good News Church in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. We have Sunday services at 815, 930, and 11. If you are interested in finding more information on our church or ways to get further involved, visit goodnewschurch.life. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you soon.